Episode 50 of the Pilot the Pilot Podcast takes off now. What's up, everyone? My name is Will Aconte. I am a uh, CFII and Cirrus instructor here in Nashville, Tennessee. I uh, made the career change uh, from a professional baseball player to become a pilot, and I'm about to transition from an instructor over to the airline life. What is going on, Aviation Nation, and welcome back to the Pilot the Pilot Podcast. My name is Justin, and I am your host. Today is episode number 50. I cannot believe that there's been 50 episodes of these. Thank you to you guys for devoting all of your time. That is 50 hours of your life that you have spent listening to this podcast, and I greatly appreciate that. Today, I am talking with Will Locanti. Will is a former professional baseball player. He played baseball at the University of Tennessee. Some of the things that Will and I talk about today are why he decided to retire from baseball, to step away from a multi-million dollar career to become a pilot. Why Will thought ATP was too slow for him and how he thought he could get his time done faster. How Will used to be very frustrated with Priority Air Charter, my former freight company, flying in a Smyrna late at night. We talk about what it was like to have a DPE that was being watched by the FAA on one of his check rides. We talk about the most nervous he's ever been on a check ride. We talk about how his wife handled him retiring from baseball and wanting to become a pilot. We break down the myth of why you don't have to be a military pilot to become a pilot and how Will thought that he couldn't do it unless he went the military route. Aviation, I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. I really enjoyed talking with Will. It's great to talk to another athlete. It's great to talk to someone that's played his sport at the highest level and he decided to become a pilot. I think there's a big correlation between the competitiveness in sports and the values that you learn that can translate into you being a great pilot. So I'm really excited to see that we have more athletes getting in aviation and I look forward for the future of that. Also guys, if you love the episode, please let me know. You can email me at pilotpilothq at gmail.com. You can let me know on Instagram at pilot. You can also leave us a review on iTunes. Let it be five stars. Let me know what you think. I love reading your feedback. Your feedback helps shape this podcast and makes it what it is today. Aviation, I do not want to hold you back any further. And I'm also staying at the San Diego Hyatt downtown. And I have a view of the water and boats. And it's awesome. So I'm going to go. But Aviation, I hope you have a great day. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Will, what's going on, man? Welcome to the Pilot the Pilot podcast. Justin, I appreciate you having me on board, man. No problem, man. I'm excited to have you on. A fellow athlete, someone that has, you went a little bit farther than I did with your career, but it's also, it's always great to talk to another athlete that has made the transition to aviation. And I think it'll be interesting to talk about kind of the similarities and the competitiveness that comes with aviation and baseball or any other sport. Yes, sir. And I think that me and you can probably agree that sports uh, is probably one of the few fields that can probably prepare yourself for this crazy aviation journey that you like step that you step into when you make the change, you know? Oh yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, we'll get into it later, but just one thing that comes to my mind is just the adversity that you face in flying and in aviation or in aviation. And then in your sports career as I feel like that prepared me a lot for a lot of stuff that I faced in the cockpit when I had an engine failure, when I had other maintenance issues, it's like, I just like my mind just initially knew like, all right, this sucks, but let's fix it. Let's do it. Like you don't have any time to do anything else. And I can contribute that to sports a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I've, 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 I've listened to your podcast and I heard that you had an engine failure, uh, you know, knock on wood to this day i haven't had anything quite as uh (laughs) dramatic dramatic as that and i've been pretty pretty fortunate um as an instructor i've had some some small stuff uh that students do because you know i think the (laughs) the saying goes that what is a a flight instructor is their student is constantly trying to kill like yeah lawn darting (laughs) them into the ground um but no you're right uh you know you'll be flying in the clouds um and actual and getting tossed around and you know, your student will look at you. And, you know, for me personally, I like, I, I feel like sports with, um, kind of always dealing with that constant pressure and kind of like always feeling like, um, I don't know what the word is. It's just feeling like someone's always looking over your shoulder to perform yeah. well. Uh, it kind of made it feel like, you know, flying, you know, doing like flying is, it's pretty It's honestly, it's relaxing to me compared to the pressure I faced when I was in pro sports. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, if something does happen, it's kind of like the, 
the adversity thing you just spoke of, it's just kind of like a reaction. You're like, all right, well, this is what's happened to me now. And I just kind of have to like adapt and overcome. Yep, exactly. And that's what you've been trained for. And then your training does kick in as well. Uh, let's start yep. back to kind of the beginning, you know, I mean, you obviously played sports your whole life. When did aviation start becoming something that you thought you could do or something that you wanted to pursue? Sure. So, um, I think, when it started for me, I was kind of always that kid, and I'm sure everyone that listens to this podcast will probably agree. Um, I was that kid that could not wait to go out of town um, to get on the airplane and go fly. Uh, walking through the airport and seeing, you know, all the different airplanes and looking and seeing the pilots, and they're kind of like they're like that that hero esque type of figure, and you're like, "Whoa, look at this guy! Like he's about to go fly in the sky." And <laughs> you know, um, even to this day, man, I if it's not the window seat, I'm, you know, I'm pretty pissed off. <laughs> um, so like, I've always had that, like, that's just that inkling to get into the, into a plane and try to learn how, you know, kind of how it works. Um, my uncle, who is a, uh, he's a captain and an, a, uh, sim instructor in a, with, on the 787 with American. Oh, he, shoot, from that's a, crazy. Yeah. So from a young age, he was kind of like pushing it towards, uh, like pushing me towards that way. So I always had an interest. Uh, I never took any lessons, or anything, um, you know, while I was growing up, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure you could probably understand, you know, sports are yeah. quickly becoming a year round thing. And I was trying to play two or three of them. Yep. So I didn't really have time. And I was going to try to ride that out as long as I possibly could. Um, yeah. And if I start, if I start rambling, you can just come no, out. But fine, like, man. uh, yeah. So I, uh, um, I'll fast, I'll fast forward a little bit. I've always had that interest, you know, always had the interest in planes and going to, uh, um, air shows and talking to pilots and just thinking that these, these are the coolest, smartest, uh, most like alpha male dudes you could possibly encounter, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, it comes time when I'm looking at schools to go, you know, play baseball at and also, um, attempt to get an education and i was like <laughs> there's a you know there's a school out here uh mtsu um yeah. pretty big aerospace program from what i understand and i knew they had a good one uh, at least in tennessee it was the only one and they have a decent baseball program so i went out there got a scholarship and uh was like oh okay i'll take an official visit there you know i think you have five is that what yeah. you have in yeah, yeah was- so we i think i think we had five as well to take so i used that as one of my five and um I went there and I was like, yeah, I want to play baseball here. And I also want to do the aerospace program and become a pilot. And they're like, oh man, you know, congratulations. That's huge that you have goals, dreams, and ambitions. Um, but both of them take up so much time. You can really pick one or the other. You can't pick both. And I was like, oh, all right. Um, you know, and at the time I was really undersized and didn't think sports was going to take me anywhere. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, well, I'll just go ride out this athletic career and then when it quickly fades away then i'll just hop right back in right um because sports you know, is one it, of those things that it's not going to last forever it's like you got to capitalize it on as long as you can and i was kind of the same way with football it's like i mean we talked about this a little bit before we started recording but you have this like you have this confidence in yourself that like i can do this i can do whatever i want and then once i got to ohio state i was like dang i can't do this <laughs> like there's no way i'm going pro. yeah and i was like yeah. all right i i used as much as the athletics as I could to put me in a situation to where now I can go to school that has an aviation and has an aviation program. I can get my license stuff. But like with you playing pro baseball, it's like, you have to go try that. It's like you, it's like when people get drafted out of high school, it's like, you have to go pro, you have to try it. Cause that's your chance that's your time. You know, it's like, you got to capitalize on that. Cause that's not always going to be there. So aviation in your case could wait a little bit because you're trying to, to do your thing with baseball. Yeah, no, ex- you're you're exactly right. Um, I knew that my career wasn't going to last forever, and um, I, I so I, yeah, so exactly. I, I went and I said, I'm just going to give this a shot. And in the back of my head, you know, I was like, you know, uh, I'll I'll be you know, kind of like the I'll be back soon kind of right. thing. And um, you know, I didn't think I was that good. And then you know, fast forward three years later, I ended up going to uh, you know University of Tennessee and playing baseball there. Um, not a Vols fan. For everyone listening, <laughs> you um, went to Tennessee and you're not a Tennessee fan, dude. No, 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 no. I'm an Auburn Tiger fan. That's till I die. Till I die. Yeah. Well, I grew up going to all the games, man. Uh-huh. Um, and, and what? And so, and I didn't know this 
growing up, but you know, they have a huge aviation program. And I'm like, dang, I should have just gone there. You uh, know, I had offers there, but anyway, so I got a, uh, I got a scholarship to Tennessee, went and played there. Um, three years later, ended up getting drafted by the Diamondbacks, um, playing with them for six years and then, um, going and playing with San Diego for one. And then, um, kind of woke up one day in spring training, me and my wife had just gotten married and we were moving out to Scottsdale, Arizona. And, um, you know, we packed up, we moved and one day I just kind of looked at, it, I was like, you know, I don't know if this is really for me anymore. Um, talking about baseball yeah. and I'll, you know, I'm sure like most athletes, like my thing was I wanted to retire on my, on my own time. So I was like, I wonder if this is that moment. And I kind of just decided it was, and so she was like, all right, well, let's, let's get going. Let's pack up and let's go back to Nashville. And I said, <laughs> okay. And you know, we had, we drove out to Scottsdale. Oh, okay. So, so it's not like we were like, all right, let's hop on a, you know, a commercial flight and let's go back. It was like, we got to pack up this condo and then we have to drive all the way back across the, co- the country and think about what I just did. <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> like I just and, gave up opportunity to make millions of dollars. <laughs> I know, I know, yeah. seriously. And and you had so many people were like, what, you le- you left pro baseball to be a flight instructor? What are you thinking? Yeah. I'm like, I know, I know. Um, and, I, and, and you know, going back a little bit, I don't miss it one bit, if I'm being completely honest. But yeah. anyway, uh, so I uh, was driving back from Scottsdale, and, you know, seven years had passed, or I guess more had passed since I, since I started thinking about aviation, really. And I had always been on the impression it was kind of like a, a military yeah. industry. Like, you know, if you're a military pilot, you're in. If you're not, then like, you know, best Sucks of luck to, to you. Suck, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And um, my neighbor, who was a captain for Southwest, I guess saw my mom was like, what's Will doing with his life now? And she's like, well, he just retired from baseball. So now he's kind of like figuring it out. And he was like, well, I know he's interested in becoming a pilot. Is he putting more effort into that? And she was like, I don't think so, but you can give him a call and talk to him. So he called me on my way home uh, from Scottsdale. Oh, dang. Talk and, about timing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah seriously. Yeah. So like literally like maybe 48 hours after I would um, retired, he called me on my way home and was like, hey, like, you know, I heard you retired. I'm like, yes, sir. He's like, you uh, thought about getting back into aviation? I'm like, well, no. I was like, I'm not, I'm not joining the military, you know, if that's what you're asking me. Yeah. And he was like, no, no, now's a good time. And, you know, he kind of explained – a little bit, you know, about the the uh, all the almighty pilot shortage and yeah. all this stuff, and I was like, okay, cool. So on the way home, you know, I stopped and I was like, I told my wife Lindsay, I was like, you're gonna drive. I need to start looking this crap up. <laughs> so I started looking it up and looking up flight schools in the area, and like looked at. We have a bunch in Nashville. We had we have an ATP out here in Smyrna. Yeah. Um, have you flown to Smyrna, Smyrna by the yeah, way? I've been to Smyrna a lot. Pri- I used to fly to Pilatus there. Yep. Yeah. All the time, dude. All the time. It's, so annoying trying to get anything done in Smyrna at night when Priority Air is taking over. Any, <laughs> you, anyway, you were probably there if you, it was in the last year. I've been there a couple of times, so you probably saw me flying. Just didn't know it was me. <laughs> oh yeah, and you know if if I'm in like a, uh, I fly mainly Cirrus, and yeah. so I feel like especially around Nashville, they prioritize traffic not on who's there first but who's faster and who's bigger and who's better oh yeah and so many so many times i'll be coming into smyrna and they'll just like vector me around they'll be like sorry we have a a pilatus or (laughs) whoever coming in and he's faster he's gonna overtake you so we're gonna need you to go hold over here we're gonna like box you around blah 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 so yeah i guarantee you you probably wasted (laughs) a couple hours of my time hey man i'm just Um, helping you build time for the airlines all right you should be thanking me yeah (laughs) i appreciate that yeah Yeah. no yeah i should be thanking you um so yeah i did uh i looked at the atp route and then um ultimately chose against it it just wasn't for me i personally felt like i could um finish faster and get all my ratings faster than atp could uh get me there which which is crazy because was it zero to nine months? Yeah, um, or something, something zero like, time some to nine months. Yeah, ridiculous claim. Yeah. And I and I figured I could get done quicker, so I kind of like just took the leap and went to a Part sixty one school here in Nashville, which who I actually work for now, and they've treated me awesome and gave me a, a, a great job and gave me the opportunity to build uh, a, of a lot of time really really fast. Was it out of Smyrna um, that you did it? No, it was out of. Uh, 
um, John Toon. I don't I know if you say, know John Toon. Yeah, I've heard of John Toon because the same FBO that was in Smyrna, I can't, it was like Contour Aviation. Contour, or, yeah, yeah. Contour. They just changed their name, right? Recently, I believe. Yeah, I think it's Signature. Yeah, but yeah, they have one at John Toon. I was like, what is John Toon? It's like, what airport is named John Toon? And then, yeah, sure enough, you're out there flying there. <laughs> John, John Toon, I like to call it the Wild West. Yeah. Um, it's an uncontrolled airport surrounded by a river. With right traffic, which and right traffic on one of the runways, which you know can always end up being a disaster. <laughs> um, when you have like four one seventy twos in the pattern, here comes the sovereign making left traffic and right. you know, the same runway. Um, yeah, so uncontrolled and it's it got it's it's really busy because people don't like to go into B and A, especially like the um, and I guess like the executive charter yeah. business. Um, you know, like the net jets. Uh, those types of guys yeah. don't like to go into BNA because the ramp fees are expensive, um, fuel's expensive, and it's just cheaper. It's so we quicker they, too. It's way quicker. Yeah. yeah, there's no tower, so you can just blast off whenever you want. Um, but yeah, so I ended up going to 61 school, uh, John Toon, um, getting all my ratings. I got them relatively fast. Uh, I got them, I got all my ratings all the way up from zero time to CFII uh, under nine months. Oh my if, gosh. Under nine months, yeah. So I, <laughs> so I crazy. didn't do. So I didn't, I didn't get a, I didn't have a job when yeah. I retired. And I was just like, I'm just gonna make this my full time job. How long would you? So like, say you just start. You're like, you just came up with the idea. Hey, I'm going here to go do my training. What was it like? Like, how long were you at the airport? How many times did you fly a day? How were your check ride? Like, how did all that work out? Sure. So I was, um, again, like I said, I treat it like my full time job. If the weather was good. And there wasn't a tornado predicted <laughs> to hit the field, and my instructor was available, and the plane wasn't down for maintenance. Um, I was there flying probably like four or five hours. Um, oh dang! At least you know um, I didn't. He didn't have to do any groundwork with me because I took it upon myself to self study. Um, you were an instructor's just, dream then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. I, I, I told him he was an awesome instructor. Um, I don't know if he wants me to give him a shout out, Go but for I will. It. Give him a shout uh, out. Ryan Linney. Ryan Linney. Shout out to Ryan Linney. Uh, he's a first officer with uh, Envoy, about to upgrade the captain. Dude, he was an incredible instructor. Like really, he he pushed me to like get it done quick and um, really hard, really hard on me. Looking back on it, like I, I'm not nearly as brutal as Linney was, but uh, awesome instructor. Really, really made me. I think a really, really safe uh, a safe pilot. So yeah. I can appreciate. I can appreciate it, but you know, I went into uh, went to that flight school. I said, "Hey, man, like, I want to get this done quick." And he was like, "Well, I want to, I want to get my time quick." And I said, "All right, <laughs> so this is perfect." So we just, um, yeah, we knocked it out. We knocked up my private license probably month and. How many hours did you have for your private? Do you remember? I can't remember exactly. It was, it was, um, you know, maybe a little bit more than forty, but certainly nice. less than fifty. Um, that seems like it was so long ago. Yeah, right. And then. Got my instrument rating quickly after that, probably like two months after that. Um, it was a little bit cheating because I was doing it in a DA40, which is a G1000. So I mean, uh, how hard how hard is it? You know what I mean? <laughs> and then that time to get my my time bill for my commercial didn't take that long. And then got my commercial commercial multi, then CFI and CFII. Um, and you were asking about check rides. Yeah. I my check rides went really smooth. I, I, so far, I mean, knock on wood. Again, I haven't had any um, failed check rides. Nice. Even yeah, so I didn't fail my CFI initial, which is the one that I was worried about because I think the like this. I don't know the stats exactly. I knew more about it when I was doing it, but I think it's like fifteen or twenty percent fail. Yeah. Or no, no, no. First time, uh, fifteen or twenty percent pass on the first oh, attempt. Man. Yeah, it's low. I mean, yeah, like I said, don't quote me on that, but I mean, it, nope, might, you're it quoted. might be higher. You said it. It's exactly <laughs> what you said. <laughs> no, but yeah, um, I, I should have said yeah. it. <laughs> well, I was going to ask. Uh, you're talking about how your instructor was hard on you. Do you think with the sports background you had and the hard coaching that you had probably where people, you know, college sports, they're not the nicest coaches in the world. They have a job to do, and if you don't perform, they get fired. So do you think that he saw that and he was hard on you because he knew you could take it, or do you think he was just hard on everyone? Um, I don't know. I, I just, I knew that he was, I knew he was hard on me. I think yeah. it's because <laughs> I think it was a combination of two things and I, I hope he's not listening to me <laughs> right now, but I think it was a combination of he was, he was ready to, uh, get out of peace out. aviation. Yeah. 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 So I think a combination of that and, uh, maybe he just thought that I could take it. 
Um, it could have been anything like that, but I, I certainly feel like my sports background helped me not take it personally. You know what yeah. I mean? So I wasn't, he never could say anything or do anything to me where I took it, I took it personal. Mm-hmm. That actually has happened in my career that I've had in aviation so far. Like I had some, my first job was aerial survey and the guy was kind of like, he liked that he was in charge and he had a big ego. And so he would obviously, or sometimes he would get upset and he'd start yelling. And I'm like the only person that's not like getting upset or like cowering. I'm just like, all right, dude, whatever. Like, let's just, let's do the job. Like if we messed up, like, I'm sorry. But he, I think that kind of like struck a tone with him and he didn't like that because like I've been yelled at by far more powerful and far more intimidating people before. So that sports has definitely prepared me for aviation or any job that I've had. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I can't imagine some of the things that some of your football <laughs> must have said. Yeah, it's, it was definitely. We'll, we'll keep we'll keep it. P- yeah, we'll keep it PG on the uh, on the podcast. But yeah. I mean, I had a, I had a college coach again, who I won't say any names. Uh, he was just the absolute worst. Um, he he said things to grown men that no one should say to anyone, uh, and yeah. I th- I think. I think making, you know, going back to your point, it just kind of like, it just makes you, I don't want to say immune, but you're just kind of like, you hear something said, you're like, what, you know, I mean, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've had, I've had students get scolded by ATC before and they just, they just go white. You know what I mean? They're just like mm-hmm. white when they get scolded by ATC and they're like, are you not like, why are you not upset? Will I'm just like, what? I was like, he didn't, that was like, that was nothing. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, that's nothing. He asked you and nicely so to not soft. do that again. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I was like, you yeah. messed up. I was like, sure, I probably should have said something, but yeah. you know, you need to learn your lesson. So, right. Yeah, you almost um, killed someone yeah, you should um, be yelled at. <laughs> <laughs> for real, man. Yeah. Oh, dude, instructing instructing is uh, not for the uh, faint of heart. Yeah. What are some stories you have from instructing? Um, you don't have to say names, obviously. <laughs> right. Yeah. To be to be completely honest with you, uh, I've been really lucky. I've been I've got a, I've got really really good students. Um, I haven't had really any sort of really scary moments. I had one where I lost uh, oil pressure mm-hmm. on, on like a 1960 172 once, yeah. and I was I was not within gliding distance of any <laughs> airport. So I was like, you know, kind of like the first reaction is like, this is kind of funny, but you know, this might not end well, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. um, I've had the I've had, I'm sure every instructor has had this where you're like all right you know tell your student to pull the power back just a little bit and they immediately grab for the mixture and they pull the mixture out like on short final and they just immediately shove it right back in and you're like all right well is that the power you know <laughs> like was that it was that the power that I told you to pull out you know just <laughs> yeah. little things like that um, I've had a couple of uh, over at John Toon again the Wild West uh, you know I've, people coming in and it's an uncontrolled airport. So basically land on whatever runway you want to. Um, and I've had people coming in and we're, they're flying the traffic pattern, landing on the opposite runway. And, you know, if you have, we have two and two zero and two zero is right traffic, two is left traffic. So if, if you can kind of paint a mental picture, mm-hmm. um, you know, if people are, are doing left traffic for two and then you have someone coming in right traffic for two zero, they're basically doing the exact same thing, but the opposite. Yeah. Um, they're coming in same altitude, basically going to run right into each other. I've seen, I've seen, never, thank God, never been a part of one, but I've seen a, a couple near misses, and I'm just Jeez. like, oh my gosh! Uh, you got to be vigilant. Like, you know, just pay attention. Yeah, yeah. That's one yeah, thing when you go to attention. the airlines, you're not going to have to worry about as much because most of your flying will probably be at bigger airports where they're under control. What like you're still going to go to some small airports where you got to talk to CTAF or you got to talk on Unicom and you got to watch out for traffic. You got to do circling approaches and just, it, it can be a hot mess. So it's a good thing you're learning this now because you'll still use it later in your career. That's a great way to put it. It's a hot mess. Yeah. yeah. It is a certified dumpster fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Going to um, your check ride. So obviously you've had big moments in your career with sports and like big games and you're nervous. How would you compare the nerves of sports as the nerves to say your first check ride or any of your check rides at all? Were you, were you more nervous for your check rides or are you more nervous for the games? Um, it's a good question. I, I've played in some big games. Um, I would say I would honestly say I was more nervous for a check ride. Um, I did my C. 
I did my CFI or sorry, my CF double I check ride with the FAA, if yeah. you can believe it. Um, the DPE that I, that I used for my um, check ride was in his like, I don't know if you're familiar when you become a DPE, if it's within the, the first year, you're kind of like on a probation year where you can only do like private and commercial, mm-hmm. I think. Um, you can't do, or no, you can do private instrument commercial. You just can't do instructor yeah. rides yet. So the DPE in order to do his instruct for him to get off his like probation period, um, had to do a ride along with the FAA. And so I like, was like, sure, I'll be like, that's fine with me. Like I'll do, I'll take a ride. And, um, I ended up, so I ended up doing my CFI, CFWI check ride with the FAA in the back of this little 172. <laughs> And I mean, I was, that was the most nervous I've ever been. Um, you know, they're going through my document, like they're, they're like with a fine tooth comb going through my logbook, going through my documents. Um, yeah, that was, I would say that particular ride was the only one where I was kind of like a little, a little bit more nervous than usual. Um, you know, I, I honestly, I, I just feel like Again, going back to my instructor I had, I felt so prepared um, when I went into my check rides that I honestly, and people might call me out on this and I'm ready for it. I just didn't, <laughs> I just didn't really get, get that nervous. Um, I just knew I was ready for it. So, you know, there's always going to be like the, like the right when you see the DPE come in, you're like, all right, here we go kind of thing. But I was never, I was never really uh, nervous for it. I would, I would say that, yeah. That's good. That's yeah. Check rides. I mean, it's just as if they always say, if you're not ready, your instructor wouldn't sign you off. And like, that's all good and stuff to say, but it's still nerve wracking to go through a check ride and it's okay to be nervous, but you just have to remember that it's just another flight. You've done everything that they're going to ask you to do. Like, and obviously you've done it well enough to be able to go on that check ride. So just try to relax as much as possible because you're probably going to do fine unless you really screw something up. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, I want to make a, a point on something that I've heard you say over and over again. Um, I think the reason why people get, they get stressed about it, obviously you've worked so hard and you're, you want to do well. Everyone wants to do well. I think the thing that people get caught up in is they're like, if I you know fail my private check, right. Or if I fail my instrument, then I'm not going to be able to get a job. And that is not the case. Um, if you fail a check ride, as, just use it as a learning experience. Like you've said a million times on yeah. here, just use it as like a, a way to um, get better and like learn from it. And um, it's certainly not the end of the world. There, you're going to be so many times you're going to mess up or do something, and it's just a it's just another opportunity to learn from it and to uh, take something away that's going to make you a better aviator down the line. Oh, that um, yeah, I completely agree. You know what I mean? Agree. And, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've done plenty of interviews with like, have you had any failed check rides? You know, and I, I don't know what your what your story is. You know, yes or no. Yeah. And the, and but people that I've talked to, they're just like, if they failed one, they just ask them, all right, what'd you learn from it? And then they explain what they learned from it. Don't blame someone else. Just be like, yeah, you know, I messed up. This is what I did, and I told myself I'll never do it again. And then you know, I I I'm gonna take something away from it into the rest of my career. Yeah. And they're like, all right, great answer. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, on to the it's, next it's, one. A, it's yeah. a non, it's a non event. It's really a non event. Yeah. And I mean, they know that like, sometimes it's out of your control. Some, you might have a bad examiner. You might have just got him on the wrong day and mm-hmm. he might've passed someone else for the same thing, but he just knows, I don't know. Like you don't, they don't know the circumstances going into the whole check ride. And it is okay to fail a check ride. It's not okay to have like, a ton of failed check rides that might come back to bite you eventually but having one even two like you're still going to be okay there are guys that that fail check rides and still get the jobs of their dreams like we're talking about so it's going to be all right don't sweat over it too much and you should be yeah fine. yeah that being said don't uh walk into one not expecting to pass right. <laughs> you know what i mean like don't be like oh it's yeah. okay if i fail one like i'll be all right it's like <laughs> justin yeah, said it's probably... okay to fail a check ride yeah. so i'll be okay yeah no <laughs> so, yeah just justin and will said it's yeah. not gonna affect me at all that's funny. Well, that's not what we're saying one yeah. bit that's really funny <laughs> so uh your dream is to go to the airlines uh yes sir yeah cool what's uh what's the do you have an airline of choice or is it pretty much whoever hires you first no, I have I have an airline of choice just because uh, you know my uncle works for American. Oh, nice! And yeah, so I've I've always been an American guy, but um, hey, I'll I'll go anywhere that's, yeah. that's paying me to fly for them. You know what I mean? That's what's up, man. Well, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. 
when you're a student, you have kind of expectations out of your flight instructor. What did you learn right. from your flight instructor that you carried into being a flight instructor on your own? Or how did you kind of, what molded you into the flight instructor you are today? Would you say it's from your flight instructor or is it just stuff that you learned and you knew how you wanted to teach it? Yeah. So I think one thing that really helped me the most, or one of the things that helped me was that um, I don't learn the way that everyone else learns. You know, you could have one person that's a very visual um, or auditory or whatever type of learner they are. And you can't just make, you can't just do, be a cookie cutter uh, instructor. You kind of have to kind of like tailor the program to uh, the individual needs of the student, Mm -hmm. whatever it may be. And my instructor was really, really good at that. Um, I pretty much told him straight up, like he would try to, you know, tell me one thing and I'd be like, listen, dude, you know, he was, he, he would be trying to explain like like a circling approach mm-hmm. or like a GPS or something. And he's like, show me the approach plate. He's like, yeah, okay, this and this, and this is why we do this. And then we get to this and then we go missed. And then this, I'm like, hold on. <laughs> yeah. We're, I was like, I was like, we're not doing that. I was like, we're going to do it. Like, I want to see you do it. Yeah. And then I'm going to do it. And then I'm, and then I'm like, okay, now it makes so much more sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I don't know if that has to do with like sports and stuff because I'm the exact same way. I have to see it be done or even like I don't I can't just hear like I have to write everything down that I hear to be able to like I have to do it and see it be done for me to be able to learn. So I think that we're similar in that. Um, How has it been adjusting to other people's learning styles? Has that been difficult? I wouldn't say it's been too, too difficult. Um, Again, I've been really lucky to have students that kind of I have a lot of students that were exactly where I was yeah they were kind of like career changers or they kind of wanted to get it done quick um so it's been pretty it's been pretty easy for me to kind of and I can usually tell within like the first (laughs) two or two or three lessons like what they need have you had to tell Um, anyone like like this isn't just this isn't gonna work out like you should find a different instructor (laughs) Oh yeah, dude, all the time. Oh really? Dang, that's what's up. At least you know. Yeah. that's cool. How do they take it usually? Um, well, I have. Oh, I don't even know if I should say this story. Um, <laughs> that's all. That's a, how a good story always starts. <laughs> I had a. Um, I had a guy who went down to like I went down to Florida to train him. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I spent one day flying with him. Um, I think the total weekend we spent maybe 14 to like 18 hours together, somewhere in that ballpark. And this guy hadn't, this guy was pre solo. Like he hadn't soloed yet. Um, and it got to the end of the, like the end of the weekend. And I was about to fly back serious, of course, mm-hmm. cause I would not fly <laughs> down to Florida at one That's funny. And, um, I, I just looked at him at the end of the weekend and I said, uh, you ever think about golfing? as a hobby because this guy was just you know taking it up as a hobby yeah i was like you ever thought i was like you ever thought about golf and he's like i'm bad aren't i i was like you're pretty bad you need to probably (laughs) find something else to do oh that's rough i mean to be honest i've talked about this some other people it's like everyone's not meant to be a pilot like it's there's just some there's some pilots that fly for airlines that aren't even meant to be pilots and they make it through but like not everyone is a good pilot and it's something that you, he probably might be able to work through eventually. I don't know if there's like extenuating factors in his life that maybe kept him from performing and stuff, but not everyone's meant to be a pilot. So it's not a bad thing that you told him that. No. And, uh, you know, I think the, um, the overlying, um, the overlying factor that I look for when I, when I'm a, with an instructor or sorry, when I'm with a student as an instructor and I'm about to you know, fly with this person or I'm about to sign this person off for a check ride or whatever it may be. I'm thinking if I'm in the airplane with my wife and my daughter and that person's out flying, like, am I going to feel safe? Yes or no. Right. And if there's any sort of hesitation, uh, I, I do not sign them off or I like give them a, a talk about maybe we should think about, you know, if you're, you know, a lot of these guys want to buy their own plane. Right. I tell them, I'm like, if you're rich enough to buy your own plane, you're rich enough to have a pilot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, it's not the best idea. Yeah. That's funny. I'm glad you brought up your family, though. Um, what was your wife's initial reaction to you being like, hey, I want to retire from baseball where I have the potential to make millions or whatever amount of money to go into 
well, I don't know if you could pay for it with the earnings in baseball, but essentially to go into debt to eventually make money like 10 years from now. It's like, what was her reaction? Was she all for it? Was she game? Or was she like, are you sure? You know, your buddies are making pretty good money at Bank of America right now. (laughs) My wife has been easily the most supportive person. And I'm sure you're married, right? So you understand. Yeah. So my wife has been incredibly supportive um, the entire way. Like there was never a moment where she was like, you know, what are we doing? Kind of thing. She just kind of like... and this is all while raising a baby too. Sheesh. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like I yeah. was gone instructing and trying to build my time and she was raising our, uh, well now nine month old. Dang. Um, yeah. So she's been working just as hard as I have to keep everything in line. Um, just like I'm sure your wife is yeah. when you're gone. And uh, no, so she, there was never a time where she like sat me down and was like, okay, listen, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we we need to, we need to have a talk about. Yeah, I didn't uh, sign up for this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of which, not signed up for this. Uh, I don't know why I just thought of this. I, you made the point. Um, I can't remember which podcast it was, but you made the point where you're like, I think that the FA needs to come up with a way where people can build time more effectively and more efficiently. Yeah. If they're gonna, you know, have people be fifteen hundred or a thousand hours or whatever. Um. I would encourage people to really look at their options because I was someone that did not want to be an instructor. Mm-hmm. Um, I, w- I, I I heard the horror stories and I was like, <laughs> my he- you know, hell no, that's not going to be me. Yeah. And I I went so far as to um, looking into the military route, and I think that's why I thought about because my wife was like. I told her I was going to go into the military and fly <laughs> and fly jets. And she was like, I think her reaction was, I didn't sign up for this. No, you're not. <laughs> That's you know? hilarious. Yeah. I don't blame her. Yeah. So, um, I would just, I, I think, uh, I think you're onto something there about if they're going to have this like mandate, which I think is a, is a good rule to have, you know, mm-hmm. 1500 hours is some, is that's a lot of experience. Yeah. Um, I think that there needs to be, a way a better way for people to build their time but i also think that people need to explore the options oh, out doubt. there whether yeah. you know what i mean whether it be military or flying flying freight or or whatever maybe there are a ton of options out there to do it i just part of what i was getting at when i was talking about that was just like some of the places that had higher low time pilots are very sketchy when it comes to maintenance or very they don't pay very well it's not a very lucrative career until you make it to the airlines and even in the past regional airlines wasn't even a lucrative career it's like oh cool now i'm making 18 grand it's like i can make more at mcdonald's if i really worked hard enough or i can work in retail so it's never it's starting to get better but i want to see more done at the lower level like flights or uh, aerial survey or freight and find us a better way to get more people involved there and maybe eventually find a way to keep the good instructors as instructors like have i don't know if you can have like government instructors that'd probably be a terrible idea but pay them well give them (laughs) retirement or what but just like make people want to be instructors because instructors without instructors we're not gonna have pilots and we're already having a big issue with pilots already so yeah it's definitely something that needs to be addressed i don't know if they will or not because they take their time on a lot of stuff and they're more reactive than proactive so we'll see but looking (laughs) back at the rule when it first came out, I was starting my training and obviously I was pissed because some of my friends are not really friends, but flight instructors were getting hired with 250 hours. And I was like, man, that sucks. Like I'm at the build 1500 hours and the whole thing of like quality over quantity. It's like, yeah, quality of training is better than quantity of hours. But at the same time, in those mm-hmm. 1500 hours, I've learned so much that I don't know how I could feel comfortable flying a jet with I don't know, 50 people on board, or in my case, like eight people on board without having the time that I have. It's like that you learn so much from experience. And I think that experience can overcome the quality of training because you're just going to learn a lot from the people that, that are there. So I think it's a good rule and I might get flack from that. And I'm, I back the rule now. It did suck when I was going through it, but now that I've reached everything, I think that it's there for a reason. So it it's definitely, it's interesting to see what they're going to do in the future with it. That's that's hilarious that you say that because when I was getting into it and I was like, all right, you know, ask my instructor, so how many hours do I need before <laughs> I can go into the airline? He's like 1500. And I, at the time I felt like it took me months to get a hundred. I'm like, yeah. what? Yeah. Like, you know, how am I supposed to get 1500 of these things? And, you know, and now that I'm, I've got my time and, um, 
here I am still in one piece. I'm like, okay, that rule, it makes sense. You know, like you said, it sucks at the time because that's a, that's a lot of time to build. Um, I would have to agree that quality over quantity is better, especially in aviation. Um, but that rule I think is there obviously for a good reason. And I do think like, like I'm fully, I'm confident that, um, you know, whatever aircraft I get assigned with what I've learned through instructing and being a double I and flying, um, I have a little bit of time in King airs and citations. Yeah. Um, I'm fully confident that because of the experience from, you know, the 1500 hour rule that I think that I'll go in there and I'm not going to say have no issues, but I'm going to be more comfortable than if I had to only have 250, you know right. what I mean? No, for sure. So, and here's the thing yeah. with aviation and your training. It's, it's very similar to, to school. It's like you build upon your training hour after hour or experience after experience. And then like, it's not like, it's like going from algebra to pre-calculus and from pre-calculus to calculus. It's like you learn, you keep building to get to where you want to get, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, which I was going to ask you, what's it like when you went to uh, you went to training on the latitude, and you're like, "Not, nah, I know nothing about flying again." Yeah, so that was my <laughs> my first jet. So obviously, going in there, I was a little bit nervous, and my dad gave me one tip of advice. He said, "Make sure it's like you don't have as much time as everyone else, and but just make study harder than everyone else, and be the smartest person in the room." It's like those are the two things that you can control right now. So go ahead and do the best you can to be at those. So that's what I did. And I knew everything and I, I studied as hard as I could and I came out on top and I dominated it. So it was difficult without it. It was difficult, but like I treated it as like preparing for a game. Like it's like no one's going to be smarter than me. No one's going to do better than me. It's like when it came for the actual type rating, I actually asked to go first, which I guess doesn't happen very often. And I could do it because my, the PIC I was training with had a similar type rating. He just needed a differences checkout. So it wasn't a true check uh-huh. ride. So he let me go first. And usually you have the benefit as the SIC to watch as things progress and be like, cause they'll give you the same exact check ride that they give the other guy. So you can learn from him and see what he did. But I was like, no, like I want to go first. Like this is, I'd rather get out of the way and pass or fail or do whatever, but I just want to do it. And I did it and, and killed it. And then did better than the other captain in some parts and some parts he did better than me, but we did it as a crew and we knocked it out and it was fun. The G5000 that I'm in was very, the roots of the, the Garmin are hold true throughout the 430, the 530 or whatever they have now for general aviation. So it wasn't, it wasn't that big of a, a deal, but it was definitely fun. Yeah. Uh, I would be curious to see, have you ever flown this series by chance? Nope. I haven't. All right. So I've got probably 50% of my, my time in that plane yeah and it's got the garmin perspective which is you know for anyone that's ever flown one is very similar to the g1000 yeah so i'd be curious as to how similar those are yeah Um, i have a a buddy here that works for sirius so i'm trying to go fly his sirius so i'll I'll let you know if i'm in one that has a perspective and i can tell you what's he what's he uh which one does he fly he he works for sirius i think he has um he might have the g1000 it's a sr22 turbo i think he has right now there we go. So that's what, uh, yeah. So he flies a 22 turbo. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. But, um, yeah, man. So I got a couple rapid fire questions for you. If you are ready for them. Let's do it. Cool. What is your favorite airline livery? Uh, okay. I've got two. Okay. Um, I love air New Zealand's all black. Yeah. Have you seen that? I have. Yeah. I do love that. one. I love that that's one. That's a good and one. Most, and then most recently, um, I was in Chicago, I believe, and I saw Air Canada had a really, really cool um, CRJ 900. And I, I can't, I would have to look it up again, but the, I love Air Canada. I think was it Air, the, the white with that, the black, like raccoon eye looking one? Yes. Yeah, that's their yes. new paint job. That's cool. It was so sick. Oh, yeah. I was like, what? I was like, can I fly? For, I was like, how do I fly for Air Canada? <laughs> how do I become a Canadian citizen? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, seriously. I have to talk to. Jeffy the pilot. Yeah, yeah there you yeah, go. Too. Give him a shout I'll out. Talk to Jeffy the pilot. There you go. That's funny. What is the ugliest airplane you've ever seen? Ugliest airplane I've ever seen. Um, I'm not a fan of the mall. Do you know what the mall is? Yeah, I do. I hate the mall. I also hate go. Moody's. I think Moody's are. <laughs> I think Moody's are disgusting. That's funny. See, I like I Moody's. I like the tail. I think they're cool. No, not me, man. That's not for me. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. The good thing is, is I've been told I'm too tall for a Mooney, so I won't be able to fit in one anyway, so that's not even a possibility. Yeah. Do you know what else is an ugly plane that no one ever talks about? Is the It's a military plane. It's the U-2 Dragon Lady. Have you seen that? I haven't, no. I'll have to look it yeah, up. Yeah, that, that's a that's a Google <laughs> search for you. The U- 
I think it's the U2 Dragon Lady. All right, I'll look that's up a, we're That's done. a weird-looking plane, yeah. It can't be uglier than the Piaggio. That's all I got to say. <laughs> I, I, dude, I think we've had this conversation before. Yeah. I love the Piaggio. That's so funny. I'm a Piaggio Pia- hater at heart. I, I don't know why, man. That thing yeah. is sick. It's yeah. like the uh, Ferrari it's a catfish. of the sky. Yeah, it's, well, yeah. It's ugly. <laughs> it's an ugly Ferrari of the sky. All right, you're going through the airport, and you need to get some food. What is your go-to airport food or go-to, like, fast food? I got to start off with a Starbucks run. Um, I think that's essential for me. I'm a big coffee guy. Yeah. Start my day off every day with coffee, Um, and then I'll immediately head over to Chick-fil-A. Yes. (laughs) I knew it. Southern boy at heart. Chick-fil-A all the way. Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Can't go wrong. Every air, it should be a law. Every airport needs a Chick Fil A to be a, like a, an actual airport with airline service. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And I feel like there should be a uh, Chick Fil A should come up with some sort of an airport exemption law where they're open on Sundays <laughs> in the airports. That's funny. Well, they can't even be open in Atlanta in their stadium on Sundays for the games because they they don't open on Sundays. So I doubt the airports yeah. will get that. <laughs> yeah. So so which begs the question: Why did you put? your chick-fil-a and an nfl stadium that plays on sundays exactly that's funny who knows who knows all right yeah. let's see what is your favorite type of flying nighttime daytime afternoon it's funny you should mention that i'm about to go do my favorite type of flying right now i like afternoon flying yeah. i got one o'clock one o'clock ish um night flying is not my favorite at all yeah i i do not like night flying <laughs> i know a lot of people do don't be I afraid dog then Oh, I know. Well, I mean, you guys are, you know, you're, if I'm flying a, a Pilatus or a Caravan um, with a with a PT-6 engine, you know, then sure. But if I'm flying a, a Flight School 172, then I'm not I'm not all that confident in that plane at yeah, night. That's funny. So yeah, I don't blame you. Yeah, afternoon afternoon flying, uh, especially like right now in the in the when the seasons are changing in the south. I know you know what I mean. Yeah, um, it's perfect. It definitely perfect. is an aviation related one. It's going to be about your knowledge real quick. I've been looking it up. It's a private. I got it from Quizlet.com. Private pilot checkride flashcards. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Nope. I'm going to ask you one. If it doesn't, <laughs> right. it, it's going to be easy. If it doesn't, then I won't add it in. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. All right. I just actually lost the one I wanted to ask. What? This is, this is crazy. This will, I'll start off an easy one. What is the squat code for an emergency? 7700 right. what uh what airline was it that was it jet blue yes um, it was jet that blue. had a com yeah. failure and, and did the hijack one yep that's really funny oh my gosh that was actually an airline <laughs> interview question was it I really had. yep i was uh i was interviewing with an airline and they asked me what's the hijack uh squad code and <laughs> they, they got it wrong they, you could work for jet and blue they, and they yeah exactly yeah uh, all right well hey jet blue's over there uh, <laughs> no they were like uh yeah, that's exactly right, Will. We do not want what happened to JetBlue. <laughs> that's funny. All right, here's another one. When can you check an ELT? When can you check an ELT? Yeah. Uh, I didn't know this one until part, this, this well, took a while. But I, Okay, I, well, part of the checklist is like at, at engine shutdown. It's first five minutes of every hour. What? Yeah, within the first okay. five minutes of every hour, it's acceptable for you to turn on the ELT and check to make sure it's working. Okay. And this is a <laughs> private pilot thing? Yeah. Wow. All right. Let's see. What's a good one? Do you need a clearance standard Delta airspace? You just need two-way communication. All right. What is... I got, I got one for you. Well, oh, crap. <laughs> when... When... When do you legally have to be at pattern altitude when you're entering into the traffic pattern? How far out? Uh, I don't know the distance. I just know on the 45 to the down one, you should be in traffic pattern altitude. Yeah, so on my CFI initial check ride, this question was asked to me, and I had no idea. Apparently, the FAA says three miles. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know that. So, fun fact of the you day. You got there. me. Gosh darn Yeah, fun fact <laughs> of the day. All right. Let's see, I'll ask one more time, one more question. Uh, let's see if I can get a tough one. These are kind of bad. Let's see. Harder than the ELT one? Yeah, harder than the ELT one. Damn. What is tomato flames? Can you name tomato flames? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> tomato flames. Yeah. Do I really have to do that? If you can, if you can't, I'll, I'll edit it out. Oh, man. All right, it's like tachometer, uh-huh. um, oil pressure gauge, manifold pressure, 
oil temperature gauge, uh, tomato. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm skipping the TO and then yeah. going to uh, fuses, fuel gauge, landing light. Yeah, fuel gauge, yeah. landing light, uh, airspeed indicator. Airspeed <laughs> indicator. <laughs> it's easy for uh, me because I'm looking it up. I would have no idea. Yeah. And then like skip. Yeah. I'm going to get so much grief for this. Uh, no, it's fine. This it's is incredible. Good. Yeah. This <laughs> I is put incredible. you on the spot. <laughs> uh, yeah, you did. Yeah, you all did. Right, it's man. all good. Those are good for the, the rapid fire questions. Uh, one last thing before we go, I kind of ask everyone this question. Someone comes up to you today. I don't know. Maybe they're a baseball player. Maybe they're playing professional sports or just some random kid that just loves aviation. What are kind of three things you would tell him that he needs to really, he or she needs to really focus on when they want to become a pilot? Okay. So first thing I would tell them is to dive right in. Um, if you're serious about doing it for a career, I would say if you have, if you're starting with zero time, I would say get in it as fat and get it done as quickly as you possibly can. Don't drag your feet. I understand that money is a, a huge, this is an expensive, expensive industry you're in. So yeah. I understand money can get in the way. So as you know, as much as you can, get it done as quickly as you possibly can. Um, number two, I would say with that being said, still give yourself some time to do stuff outside of studying and flying and, you know, have like a normal life. Cause you can actually drive yourself crazy. Take it from someone who did it. <laughs> um, you can actually drive yourself crazy and just kind of have like, try to maintain your social life. It was easy for me. Cause I have a, I don't have a social life. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're married and have a kid. I'm yeah. married. Yeah, I'm married. Yeah, I'm married. I have a kid. My social yeah. life is under the roof of my house, uh, which I love. I would not ever change it. And then number three, um, I would say find someone that you look up to that maybe is in the business, in the industry, and have a, a pilot mentor. I know it's been mentioned over and over again. I've got three. I've got two or three really, really good ones that have really helped me. Um, all my King Air and Citation time has come from one of them. And without, you know, without him, I wouldn't be getting, I wouldn't have had that time, which is some pretty, you know, I wouldn't say critical experience, but, um, he ran it. He's a Delta guy and he ran it like a, like a, like a crew would. That's good. So yeah, so I got that early. Yeah. yeah, So I got that early experience. Um, but yeah, so dive right in and don't take your time. Um, get as much, get as much done as quickly as you possibly can. Um, and then have a so, have a social life in the midst of all of it, yeah. and then have a have a mentor that you trust. Those are good, and that you, and that you can bounce uh, ideas off and off and on, and, and uh, you never know where that will end up going. You never. Know? So that's you know, awesome, that, man. That, that guy that guy could end up being on the on the hiring board here in like ten years with Delta, yeah. and I can just give him a call, and be like, hey, remember me? You yeah, know? or his dad might be on the hiring board. Like you never know. Aviation family ties run very deep, so you never know. That's exactly right, yeah. man. Well, Will, I appreciate you coming on, man. I hope you have a, a good day and uh, flight instructing goes well. And I look forward to hearing about your future and seeing where you're going to go. It's always great to talk to a former athlete and see more athletes in the aviation industry. Uh, yeah, man, let me know what's going on and I hope you wish you the best of luck and hope to have you on again sometime soon. Thanks, Justin. There are there are not enough of us former athletes in this business. We They're need not. to start. We need to start going out and recruiting a little bit For more. For sure, because I think it would translate well. So I'm right there with you, man. Yes, sir. All right, man. Well, have a good one and enjoy. All right. You too, Justin. I'll see you, man. All right. See you. And that is a wrap of episode number 50 of the Pilot the Pilot podcast. David Nation, thank you guys so much for your time to listen to these episodes every single week. From here on out, I am looking forward to trying to post every single week for the rest of 2019. I have some big accounts coming this way. I just recorded with the Mentored Pilot and I recorded with the Finer Points. I have some other big accounts that I'm trying to get. And like I said earlier, if you ever want to be on the podcast or know someone that should be on the podcast, let me know. I try my best to get them on the podcast. Sometimes I'm a little behind. I don't always respond to things right away, but give me time. I will respond to you and I'm looking to truly tell everyone's story. So Avi Nation, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and please have a great day. And as always, happy flying.